But if you will, please turn to Romans 6 uh, this morning. Uh, Romans 6, 1 says, well, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for us being here this morning. For those that are watching, thank you for letting us be together as a family in this building. It is evident that your spirit is present this morning. I pray and ask that your spirit stays in this room and that dwells in this room and it dwells in us this morning. May I get out of the way and may the words that you need spoken be spoken. Not what I think, not what I think sounds good or feels good, but what you need to be said. May somebody, whether watching or here, hear your word and hear what they need. need. Thank you so much for your grace and your patience and your love. Thank you so much for your son, Jesus. His name we pray, amen. All right, as we dive into Romans 6 this morning, there are two key points that I want to make. Number one, justification is for us. It declares the sinner righteous. The second one is sanctification is in us. And sanctification makes the sinner righteous. Also, as we get into this chapter, baptism is a key theme. Uh, although I think Justin took about a quarter of what I have. He already covered it, so thank you. <laughs> but no, that was a good primer for where we're going. Uh, now, I want to draw attention to chapter 4. Uh, Tom preached on chapter 4 a couple of weeks ago. At, uh, Abraham's faith. We're going to touch on that this morning. But if we look at Romans 4, verses 3 and 5. For the scripture tells us Abraham believed God. And God counted him as righteous because of his faith. But people are counted as righteous not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. We got any forgiven sinners in the building? Amen for that. If you now will turn, we're going to start, we're going to go through verse 12 in chapter 6 today. But we are going to start in Romans 5 verse 20. And the reason I'm doing that, I just felt it was important because it ties in. Even though the chapter ends and starts, you know, in 6, it really just ties together right there because it's a continuation of that. So if you will look at 5, verse 20. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death... Now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Chapter 6, verse 1. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves, sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were buried, sorry, for when we, were, when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. 
And since we died with Christ, we know that we also will live with him. We are sure of this because Christ is raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give, give in to sinful desires. So verse 21 right there in the 5. So just as sin ruled, ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God. And then we go to verse 1, and it says, Should we keep on sinning to get more grace? And at first glance, it kind of seems like a silly question. But as I actually started thinking about it, this week, I have found that I am guilty of that. I'm guilty of, okay, he's gonna, I know he's going to cover me with grace. It's okay that I messed up. And the bottom line, it is okay that we mess up because we are covered by grace. But right here saying, do we, do we just keep on doing what we want to do? We accept Jesus, boom, we're justified, and do we move on? I mean, we know where we're going. We know once we accept the gift of salvation, we're there. We're getting into heaven. But do I keep doing the same thing over and over because I know that I'm covered by grace? And he's saying right there, no. Like, we've got to move past that and into what we'll get into sanctification. Paul writes in Galatians 2.21, I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. So that answers the question right there. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Verse 2 of uh, Romans 6. Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? If we have died with Christ, how can we continue to live in our sinful life. Chuck Missler says, he's talking about Jesus, he does something to us so that we can't sin carelessly. Something has happened to our basic nature. You can still sin, but you cannot rest in it. That hit me in a way that just, it gave me peace. And it gave me, I felt the grace of God in it. You can still, we know we still mess up. We know that we're not going to go through the rest of this life, you know, sin-free. We know that we're going to make wrong decisions, bad decisions, decisions of the flesh. But he says, because our basic nature has changed, you cannot rest in that sin. He also says it doesn't have anything to do with some vow you make. But it is because of what God has done. How many have said, oh, I'm not doing that again? God, I promise I won't do that again. You know, you'll find yourself like when you're sick, when you're real sick. God, I'm sorry. Please just take this away. Please take this away, and I won't do it again. But what he's telling us is we can't rest in it. It's not the vow that we make, but it's because of what God has done, and that's what? Sanctification. Let's move along. Jesus paid it all. What Jesus did on the cross 
what he did for us in that life that he lived, going to the cross, dying, going to the grave, raising from the grave, that justified us, that paid the price for each of us. Accepting that and, de- and declaring that is all that's needed. But there's more to it. It doesn't just stop there. We are justified and we're good, but there's more. Justification is for us. Sanctification is in us. And that's a quote by Chuck Missler. Justification is being made right, is being acquitted. It declares the sinner righteous. And I will go back a minute. There's several things that I've put notes and I put his name, but I have used a few Chuck Missler notes here. So if I don't quote him every time, uh, I'm using some of his stuff. But justification declares the sinner righteous. Does that make sense? We are declared. He went to the cross. He died. He rose. We accept it. We're there. Sanctification is what makes me the sinner righteous. The process and the circumcision of the heart, the changing of how I see things. Romans 6, 22. And we're not going to get there today, but we're going to skip ahead for this verse. And Justin's going to get into this next week. But verse 22 says, But now, since you have been set free from sin and have become enslaved to God, you have your fruit, which results in sanctification, and the outcome is eternal life. Where and what is the fruit of your heart? Are we allowing ourselves to be filled with the fruits of the Spirit? They're on our walls, and that obviously is important to this church body. That's why it's on the walls, because it is one of the most important things we can do is be filled with the fruits of the Spirit. A few weeks ago, I preached on, on chapter 2. We talked about circumcision of the heart. Are we allowing our hearts to be cut on and changed? Are we setting our sights on Jesus? Are we setting our sights on the cross? Are we remembering that we're set free from sin and letting him change our hearts? Are we letting him sanctify us? Romans 2, 29 says, Not obeying the law, but a change of heart produced by the Spirit. My point is, it doesn't just stop with justification. It doesn't stop there, and it can't stop there. The fruit of our heart, the fruit of the Spirit, has to be evident in our daily life. That's how we get people to Jesus. We know this world is lost. There's a lot of people that even go to church that are lost because they don't let their hearts be changed. They're relying on their salvation and they're not letting their heart be circumcised and they're not setting their eyes on Christ. But a change of heart produced by the Spirit. If you will, please turn to Colossians 3. I'll give you a moment to get there. We don't have a slide for that one. But Colossians 3. We can go 1 through 4. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. I almost feel like I can just do that, pray, and, and be done. Think about things of heaven not of things of the earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ 
in God. And when Christ, who is your life, once you accept and you give it to him, his, your life is his now. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. These things right here allow for cleansing by the Spirit, sanctification, being cleansed by the Spirit, being made new from the inside out. All right, buried into Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again all according to the scriptures. He died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again. Let's look at verses 3 through 5 in chapter 6. Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We joined him in his death. Please turn back to chapter 4. And we're going to read together... And we're going to kind of skip around through the chapter, but 3 through 5, 9 through 11, 13 through 14, 16 through 17. And yes, Tom covered this, but I thought it was important because it ties together so well about this. So it starts, he's talking about Abraham, the faith of Abraham. So verses 3 through 5. For the scriptures tell us Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of what? His faith. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. Skip down to verse 9 through 11. Now this is blessing only for the Jews. Now is this blessing only for the Jews, or is it also for the uncircumcised Gentiles? Well, we have been saying that Abraham was counted as righteous by God because of his faith. But how did this happen? Was he counted as righteous only after he was circumcised, or was it before he was circumcised? Clearly, God accepted Abraham before he was circumcised. Circumcision was a sign that Abraham was a sign that Abraham already had faith and that God had already accepted and declared him to be righteous, even before he was circumcised. So Abraham is the spiritual father of those who have been have who have faith but have not been circumcised. They are counted as righteous because of their faith. Faith. And I think it's important because Paul has repeated that more than one time. 13 and 14. Clearly, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. If God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary and the promise is pointless. Verse 16 and 17. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift. Thank you, Lord. And we are all certain to receive it whether or not we live according to the law of Moses if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. 
That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life. I'd say sorry, but I'm not when the spirit hits. He hits. Who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. We've all been dead in this room. And I can't speak for everyone, but a lot of you. He has brought new things out of nothing. And it don't look a daggum thing like I thought it was going to. Rome, let's go back to Romans chapter 6. 6 through 9. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Some of us in here are justified and we're working on sanctification, but we still feel like we're a slave to sin. We believe that lie. I'm telling you right now, you are no longer a slave to that. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. You are set free. Please believe that truth. Not what I'm telling you. What this tells us. You were set free from that power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. Y'all, he is, he is sitting there. Some of us, he is waiting on you to just show up. He didn't leave. He didn't walk off. Somebody might be in a deep, dark hole. Guess what? He's at the end waiting on you to get down there. I'm going to share something. I've shared this before, I think, but through my process, going to therapy and, and working through all these things, for a long time, the visuals were that I was hanging onto this rope, the waves crashing, beating me to a pulp, and there was a hole in the, in the sky, and that's where Jesus was. And Jesus was holding that rope and just telling me to come on. So I thought. And so for months, for years, I pulled and I pulled. And guess what? I couldn't make it. I found that I was using all my strength to hold on to that rope. Well, the rope symbolized everything that I wasn't letting go of. And what I thought he was telling me to pull up and come see him what he was really telling me was, let go. And I didn't want to because I knew that right there I could control. I'm using that now. I could control the circumstances. And I was holding on. I knew I wasn't controlling it, but I thought I was tricking myself into that I was holding on. Because I knew if I let go, I wasn't sure what was at the bottom. I at least knew even though it was painful, it was becoming comfortable because it was very uncomfortable, but it was comfortable because I, I knew what it was. I could see it. I could feel it. And finally, I just I couldn't do it anymore. I was so exhausted, so tired, physically tired, I finally let go. Now, again, this is in a setting where I'm able to see these things and talk through these things. And what I found is when I let go, it was almost like I, I just give up. I'm done. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm done. Jesus, it, pff, you, like, if you want to fix it, go ahead, fine. But I'm done with it. 
Not to turn my back kind of way, but I was like, I've begged you, I've asked you, I've done what you've told me to do, I've read this over and over, I've prayed through it, and the promises, that I, they're not there, and what I found is I let go, and I finally just relaxed. And I could breathe. I could actually breathe for the first time. And when I hit the bottom... I know, shocking, guess who was there? And, he, and, and I heard the voice say, finally, finally. And so for the next year, I just sat there. And I would try to crawl out. And he's going, no, it's not time to crawl out yet. That's the thing, y'all, is it's, it's okay to sit in it. Not your sin, but it's okay to just sit with Jesus in the darkness. That's okay to do. Healing happened. And when it was time to get out of it, he said, okay, let's go. I didn't crawl out of it. He picked me up out of it. And I learned so much about his love and his grace and his relationship. I learned so much about how Jesus knows exactly what we go through and how we feel and all of our emotions. Galatians 2.16. I'm going to go back to Romans uh, 6 verse 9. Death no longer had any power over. Death no longer has any power over him. I finally gave up and gave in. Death had no more power over me because I was being held by Jesus. Galatians 2.16. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law, for no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. Rituals don't save us. Our faith is what saves us. Circumcision of the old law baptism, other ritual. It's not what, faith in Jesus is what saves us. Having faith in Jesus and accepting the gift of salvation justifies us. That change happens and we can no longer rest in our sin. The power of sin has no more hold on us. Set our sights on the realities of heaven. Set our eyes, set our sights on heaven, on the realities of heaven, not here. Not the good things here, not the bad things here. Heaven. Galatians 2, 19 through 21. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. And, you know, my dad, he, he brings it up, uh, you know, legalistic things. And it's not just what we group. There's a lot of denominations that have legalistic views. So this isn't just a... Um, Circumcision, baptism, there's a lot of things here. But have, have most, me, I won't speak for you, we try to keep up with things. And you get to the point where you just can't keep up with it. So it's almost like you just throw the towel in. Well, God, if I can't do this and this right, then I'm just, I might as well go have fun. I might as well go do what I want to if I'm condemned anyways. 
But it's not even just with that. There's other things within the church that's taken out of context. And you've got to keep this, this, and that. No, grace and faith. So I die to the law. And that's what happened to my parents. Um, gosh, it, the process started back in 2002. Well, a little before that, but 2002. And then it continued all the way through my college years where they died to the law. And they started, and uh, now me and my dad have conversations, and, and guess what? He just started reading and asking, and asking God and the Spirit to show him, hey, what, what is the truth? So I died of the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements. Who's done that? I mean, it's exhausting. Trying to meet all these things. I've got to do this. I've got to work for my grace so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Are we showing that? Is Christ in my heart and the fruit of the Spirit? Am I being sanctified so that others see? I know we're going to mess up. People are going to see us in a weak moment. You know, we're not going to, but overall, are, do people know who we are and who we live for? Are we living two, maybe three separate lives? I'm guilty of that. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Verse 21, I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law can make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Worship team, would you please join me up here as we close up. Um, anybody that's here, and we do this each week, if you are feeling led... If you need prayer in any aspect of your life, if you just need help, if you need a conversation, if you're ready to give your life to Jesus, if you're struggling with the law, the old things, and you're having trouble, that's what we're here for. Come see us. Come pray with us. Coach and Tom will be at the front. Justin's in the back. Um, I'll be down here. It doesn't have to be just us. Okay? Dylan, Brand, there's other men. Like if you, Jesse, like, see someone. If you feel led to do that, please do that. You don't have to hold it in. Just have faith. That's all it takes is just faith. And like Scripture says, forgive me for my unbelief. It's okay to doubt it. Have faith. Let justice declare your righteousness. Let sanctification make you righteous. Be set free today. Jesus, thank you so much for dying for us. Jesus, as we sang earlier, we just call it and just sometimes all we can get out is your name, and that's enough. May we just call out to you. May we give you praise in the storms. May we give you praise in the good. Jesus, fill this room. In your name we pray, amen.